We wrote an article that went viral and sparked a natural hair revolution. We are Elise and Aisha, moms to small humans, digital content creators, licensed hairstylists, brand agnostic, curl educators, and generally your snarky girlfriends with no filter. We're two women from the south side of Chicago taking the stupid out of natural hair. So today, we're going to be talking about building an inclusive curl business. Does your business include all the curls in the imaginary alphabet? And if it does, how do you go about actually like doing that? Like for real, for real, being real inclusive. (laughs) And so the word inclusive is such a buzzword and I kind of hate it. Uh, But it's... (laughs) I hate it. I hate it. Can we talk about why we don't like this, this whole inclusive inclusivity thing? Sure. I'll start. Here's the thing about being inclusive. Um, Everybody doesn't want to be everywhere. Like everybody doesn't want to all be in the same thing. Like people actually like more exclusive things. That's why Louis Vuitton makes one bag, only five of that bag all across the world. Only five people. That's called exclusiveness. There's a reason why businesses or even people um, gravitate toward things that um, allow them to have just this, this thing that is only special to them. In the case of human beings, it allows you to have a space where you can be free to say and, well, to an extent, say and and do things in an environment that's comfortable for you. Yes, but we realize that those spaces aren't always accessible to the clients that we're coming across. So this is really going to be a conversation about the tight curl experience in salons and what you can do as a stylist and or salon owner to craft a more inclusive curl business, if that's something that you want for your business. You um, want. You, you have to want you it. You don't have to. Like, I want I want that to be clear. You don't have to do it. Like, if, if it's not something you're interested in, and I think it's really important to be interested in the, in the thing, <laughs> to provide it, not just do it because you think it's sexy, because you think it's hot or it's popular thing to do, or it might make you stand out just, just to be seen, I guess, because I've seen that. Because that's disingenuous and real people can sense that a mile away. So this is truly for those who are passionate about creating an inclusive business, and especially an inclusive curl business. So for the last four years, we have been engaging digitally with thousands of tight curl folks around the globe in our 30-Day Hair Detox and Black Curl Magic programs. So I'm going to back it up a little bit because if this is the first podcast you're ever hearing of us, we are we started out as educators for consumers. We wanted to teach consumers with tight curls how to properly cleanse, condition, and style their hair without all the BS that they were seeing on the internet. We wanted to make natural hair, tight curly hair, curly hair simple and easy where it just became a part of someone's life and not this thing that took eight hours on a Sunday. But those participants, and we've at this point, I don't even know how many we've had. We started out with 10,000 just in our first two free challenges. 
-hmm. We have now had thousands of people coming through the Black Girl Magic Digital Salon that have read uh, our the first version of our book, Black Girl Magic, mm -hmm. the second version of the book, Wash Your, Wash damn, your hair, damn Hair, who have been in the salon with us, who've taken classes with us when we travel to places like D.C., and to California. Um, so we've been all over. So there's been thousands of people that have gone through programs we've done. And the one thing that we were hearing the most from them was that now that we have all this information, now that like I know what to do with my hair, who do I go see to get these bomb cuts y'all are doing? Because I can't really fly to Chicago and Atlanta. Who do right. I go see to create that relationship with that will guide me through cut, guide me through color, tweak anything about my routine that I need so that I'm even more successful uh, with my hair. And it's just like a 45 minute part of my week. Now, again, eight hours on a Sunday. Right. And at that time, when we first started, I was actually still in school. Elise was still flying up to Chicago, uh, like maybe monthly at the time. And Oakland. And, and occasionally LA. Um, to do hair. And again, they were asking to go places. Now, Elise has been doing this at the, at that time. You were like eight years into. Um, Somewhere seven, yeah, eight years. Yep. Seven, eight years in. And so she has developed relationships with people and or just new people from the curly space that she was like, okay, I can recommend somebody here. Like I, I know somebody here. I know somebody there. So what happens? You have these individuals, these ladies who live in different parts of the United States, some of them in other countries, going to stylists that Elise had recommended. They come back <laughs> after getting their hair done and they're not happy. <laughs> yeah. They're not happy. They're and not that's, happy. that's putting it mildly. That is very mild, considering the way you know how you know, we know how clients and consumers how they like bring stuff to the table sometimes, especially when they are not pleased with the services that they receive. But what came with that was the consumer or the woman who was in our group at the time, or the women, our uh, recommendations carried so much weight that they kind of like also pointed the blame not at me because I, I didn't recommend nothing it was Elise <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, no, that was all her and but it was that, her it did not reflect well for me to give them all this great information they're getting all these great successes with their hair then they go engage a professional in a service that at that time it still just was out of what their even concept of a salon service should cost and like okay i'm gonna get this brave brave face on and i'm gonna go book this appointment with someone who doesn't look like me who i don't really see any hair that looks like mine uh but i have your word that they do curls and then they come back and they're like so that was trash <laughs> and <laughs> for us uh, us i'm gonna say us yeah I, I, I'll, I'll take it attaching take our it. names to those experiences was starting to be a really bad look for us and we even had feedback from those same clients that the stylists themselves that we were sending real american dollars european union whatever loyal the, loyal loyal, loyal money. people loyal money meaning that if that deal basically that service had gone well that was a client that that individual could have kept if if they didn't stay um they could have kept them and they come back and they're like and yeah i don't like that and 
And they said that what we were pushing or saying or talking about was bad and wrong. And or didn't agree with it. They didn't just agree didn't, with it. Uh, didn't agree with our philosophies or practices with curly and natural hair, leaving that client feeling confused because she's like, so I'm listening to them and I'm getting bomb stuff. You're talking bad about them, but my hair looks like trash leaving your salon. And at that point, that client's completely turned off and they're like, so I'm just going to keep doing my hair at home. I have the tools. I have the skills. And if I absolutely have to go get a haircut, eh, I can go get my hair straightened just at the local salon is going to charge me 60 bucks and I can figure out the rest at home. They're, they were willing to step out of what their norm was. And when they did, they were like, this is not it. And it was like, I'm going to step right back into what is comfortable. Um, so when all of that happened, because this was a good probably like three to six month stretch of getting consistent feedback like this, like we have to completely revamp how we are directing um, the people that we're encountering. Because we want to make sure that we're building positive experiences, that we are reinforcing simple, easy, and beautiful hair care for those clients. We realize in order to have that robust network of stylists that we could send these thousands of potential clients to. And I, I don't want to underestimate or over-exaggerate our impact in the industry, uh, but... <laughs> In the last four years, that is that is what our impact has been, is been having these thousands of women who are on different parts of their natural hair and curly hair journey coming through our business. And it's always our goal to connect them with a professional that they can trust and, and actually who can put their hands in their hair. We had to create uh, that professional network to service those thousands of potential clients. Yeah, we wanted because- to make sure. We wanted to make sure that that network had the knowledge, the experience, the cultural competency, and the skill set to successfully service and retain these potential clients. It it, it was really important that we created something ourselves because, again, when it came down to it, it was like you had me spend this money on this appointment and it was trash. And I'm going to take your word on the hair stuff, but I am not taking your word on none of these hairstylists. I am not about to risk it all again to just to get a haircut and get a, leave with a hairstyle that that wasn't suiting me at all. And it wasn't even just, you know, it was part of it was like, oh, the cut was cool. The styling was uh-uh. or it was like the experience at the bowl was awful. I will never go back. So we're already dealing with a group um, who has such like a tremendous amount of PTSD from a salon to begin with. I mean, and it's not even any specific salon. It's just a salon experience from the time they spend in the salon to uh, how much money they spend or even like having to deal having with rough shampoos, rough shampoos, environments. Like there's so many things that have caused so much PTSD uh, when it comes down to going to the salon that we are having to like get them prepared uh, ahead of time to understand why the curly hair specialist is charging a certain amount uh, and what it comes along with that experience. And so again, attaching our names, to any and everybody was not 
it. It wasn't the move. It was not the business. So that's exactly how Cut It Kinky was born. It was not created to segregate. And I have to say that because people look at our name, sometimes Black Girl Curls and Cut It Kinky. And it's like, well, oh, my God, you're you're being... We've have we been called reverse racist before? <laughs> no, we no. It was it, we have been called something to along the lines of not being inclusive. Okay. Um, and let let's let's talk about that because again we talked about it earlier about what in, like being inclusive what goes with that. Um, but you can't come to a group of people who have already been excluded and tell them they're not being inclusive when nobody was including them in and to begin with. And when we talk about including, we're talking about the marketing. We're talking about shit, these fucking hair shows. We don't see the inclusivity in these. We already talked about this earlier, but it's not there. So when we created this, this, this segment, it was a segment of uh, people or women or curlies who are not being represented, they were underrepresented, and they were not being talked to, um, they were not being lifted up, um, and they were not being, um, I guess, the I'm out of shown. words right now. We were not being shown. Yeah. And you. when you look at the Instagrams, when you look at the Facebooks and the websites of major curl brands, we weren't being where, shown. When you look at are they? <laughs> salons, uh, their accounts, you didn't see us. One one Don't. speck of color out of 20 uh, posts is not inclusivity. It's not representation. And so Cut It Kinky was created to meet the needs of this large underrepresented and underserved community within salons. Um, when you And when you look at just the business aspect of it, when you see the evolution of the natural hair movement, product companies jumped on it Product companies and big box stores jumped on it somewhere between about five and 10 years ago. We had a bunch of indie brands and I think Target was really like the the um, industry leader and in bringing those brands to mass market because they saw money in the market and brought those products in. When you think about the legacy products like Carol's Daughter, Kinky Curly, Shea Moisture, those have been on the shelves for mm, at least 10 years. At least 10 years. Because I, 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 I was experimenting with Shea Moisture 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> that I bought at my local Target in Chicago. So beauty, overall beauty industry does see the money in it. But salons have been about five to 10 years behind um, understanding that there is a market of tight curlies. And when we talk about tight curlies, we're we're not calling them super curlies. We're not calling them a four C. We're tight curls. Period. No excessively curly. No overly, overly curly. None of that. None Just of- tight curlies. <laughs> and kinky is even appropriate. But we don't really we use don't really. that. It's just in our name. <laughs> <laughs> so what does all of that have to do with building an inclusive curl business? Here's why. The salon industry has to change its fundamental business model, its mainstream business model, if it truly desires to serve all people. As we said in the beginning, if that is not your desire and you're like, no, 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 I just want to do blonde balayage 
on medium density straight hair by all means go for it boo i get it all i do are tight curls all day long i don't want no wavies i don't really want the loose curlies i get it <laughs> so if that is where you want to put your niche in on this industry go go ahead That's and do that fine. that but is fine the lip service that the industry is giving about being inclusive we're talking to the folks that truly want to make it real um because here's here's how we here's how we've gotten here. The mainstream salon business model is built upon a Caucasian woman, 25 to 60, with straight, medium density hair. We are considering her. And when I say mainstream beauty, mainstream salon business model, I'm talking about your Avedas, your Paul Mitchells, your Sahags, your any any salon that you probably walk into, if I walked out of my house in Fayetteville, Georgia, and I walked down the street and I encountered the four salons that is going to be right out there on, on Route 85, this is what their business model is going to be. And they're considering that woman in their timing, their pricing, their service methods, their product selection, and their aesthetic. And the only difference that we tend to find with exclusive curl business models is that they're basing their average service off the same client profile, except that that client has some curls on their hair. Same. Same. (laughs) (laughs) And so anyone who does not fit into this description is often seen as challenging, time-consuming, more work, and hard. And by hard... I we just think we need my heart. So when we when we talk about heart and this this idea or how we have come to this conclusion comes from the many classes that we have taught. Um, hearing uh, individuals or students in our class talk about like and seeing them sitting in the corner, like trying to figure out like how am I going to make this happen? It seems like such a artist task of doing this hair like this seems like there's no way I, I have the time of my day to fit these clients with hair like the ones of the models here into my schedule it's it's not that it's hard it's hard to to shift your mind somewhere else that's all it is it's a mind shift it's not the hair that needs to be changed it's our minds um, that need to be changed about the hair that we're doing because trust mm-hmm. me you send me a wavy and I'm gonna be like okay um <laughs> I'll be like okay so what's my plan of action here because I have to think about it more because I can do I am actually trained for a swavy hair I can do swavy hair, but I'm going to have to formulate a plan of action because it's not the hair that I touch. From the start, I'm at the shampoo. I'm already thinking about how am I going to make something happen from this hair? Not that I can't do it either because I can jump on the Instagram page real quick while you're sitting in some conditioner and figure out like, let me go check out my friends. (laughs) Let me me see what her diffusing technique is exactly. (laughs) Because I I remember it from class, but I need a refresh. Um, And then we also think of that hair because because of the challengingness of it, the time consumingness of it that we are considering is that it's going to be more expensive. And in the natural hair community, this is called the natural, natural hair, hair tax. tax. We and have a whole video on that on YouTube if you want to head over to YouTube. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's still something that's talked about right now because, again, um, a lot of these naturals haven't been to the salon in a long time or they only go so often. Like, they'll go to get a blowout. And so they're paying maybe $75 in some cases, uh, and depending on who they go to, because some of the ladies ain't charging $75. They charge way more than that for a <laughs> yeah. And a cut, but they're not used to the prices because the last time they went to the salon, they got a relaxer and they might have paid ninety five dollars for it. Might have. And see, that's I, that's also again one of perspective that we have to understand is that um, there is a completely different black salon culture that we have to then incorporate in there that has different structure and timing and prices and all of that. Although I know for myself, my last relaxer stylist used to charge me one seventy. Ooh. for my short hair relaxer cut in style so like when i look at wow. a curl artist and they're charging 225 i am unfazed in the yeah. all the way oh i'm totally unfazed but i'm also like i only pay 60 dollars, and my stylist definitely grossly undercharged me for my relaxer because i should have probably been paying triple the price with all your hair <laughs> now, i'm here i have <laughs> So, I mean, I guess I was lucky, but at the same time, I look back at that, I was like, oh God, I was not paying the right amount of money for all the hair I had as a teenager. So when we're thinking about that, well, this is where, when we haven't gotten to this yet, but this, again, understanding that black um, hair salon culture, like understanding that and what comes along with that, um, to charge somebody a different price from the next person that that doesn't make any sense to nobody who goes to the salon. It's like, wait, I pay this and she pays what? Like, no, that it, it cannot work like that. Um, and I've had deep discussions with other stylists in the curly space who do multiple types of curls. Um, and the conversation always comes up about the, the the swavy wavy I don't know what else y'all want to about the I don't know what y'all call it over there about the chili curls about the chilies the cherubs let's just say I like to just to separate about silky and coarse surface texture I think it's much easier to try to like talk about it from that perspective so the silkier hair takes less time to do outside of density of course um, but that's the idea and so why would I I don't feel comfortable charging them the same price I would charge the person who takes me more time. And it's like, no, that's everybody, not how I need this one. That everybody, everybody who comes to your salon is paying for your level of expertise. Point blank period. Yeah. So it creating a curl inclusive business means basing your timing, pricing, service methods, product selection, and aesthetic on the totality of your clientele and the clientele you desire to build. So let's actually dive deep and down in how we do it and how we envision a more inclusive uh, curl space doing it. So timing, timing is timing. To me, everybody should be getting the same amount of time and your time is worth a certain amount of dollars per hour, regardless. Um, in our schedules, both of us have a... I actually have two new client services that include a cut. How many do you do? I have two. She has two. So I, I do a two hour that includes like everything, the whole kitchen sink I can throw at the client. Mm -hmm. um, and then one is one and a half where I'm just, we're cutting, cleansing, conditioning, styling, going over products. And it's a little bit more basic especially for the people who have been engaged in our social media, engaged in our digital salon, who have some of the basic tools already um, in order to go forth and be successful. Uh, so timing introductory services 
equally is going to be important. And we realize somebody, people are saying that, oh my God, well, tight curls just take longer. I'm here to say, no, they don't. No. Tight curls tend to take longer because of lack of experience with them. Absolutely. I was going to say that because it's, it, it's, it's knowing, like having that ability to know something and understand the ins and outs of it. Um, when you're operating from a space where you don't, you know, you're not absolutely sure um, and it'll expose your insecurities about it. And then also then now you're like, oh, it takes too long because I don't know. And if you don't know, then that's when you go out and seek more to get to get that information that you need in order to be successful. Yep. Pricing. Again, pricing is I'd love to have an hourly rate. My hourly rate is typically anywhere from 125 to 150 an hour. And that hourly rate has come from understanding how much money my business needs in revenue to survive and how much money I want to make from my business taking home. And that is an entire lesson that we teach in our class, Price for Profit, uh, because a lot of us are not pricing in a way that make our businesses sustainable, regardless of who we're working with and the hair that we're working on. Um, so pricing should be equal. Yeah, because if you spend two hours, two hours with the client, it's two hours with the client, no matter if they're silky, loose, tight, or um or sorry, tight or coarse textured. It doesn't matter. You're spending the same amount of time and using the same amount of knowledge. So that pricing should reflect what you know. A service is a service. A haircut, a haircut is 160. I don't care what kind of hair you have. It's 160. Because I am, when we consider price, we're considering the course for, actually for us, we're considering the coarsest, most damaged, highest density, longest, most oil-filled, whatever is like your absolute, like, okay, this is going to take like every skill I have in my toolbox. That is how we're pricing for everybody. It is not unfair for somebody with wavy, low-density hair to pay the same price as someone that has coarse, high-density, thick, long hair regardless of what their curl pattern is. It is not unfair. What is unfair is by charging by biological and inherent things that people cannot change. So wherever there is a happy medium for you in terms of pricing, that's where you should be. Yeah, I, I have to totally agree with that. Like you, at some point, we just have to come to terms with our work is our work. And how much an hour do you want to make from said work? And I don't care if I, I'm going to sweat a little bit more or a little bit less <laughs> to finish up. Because when we get down to it, when we get into service methods, that's the next one. When we get into service methods, you're doing essentially the same amount of work in different ways. So, for instance, over on the, the looser curl side, you guys are probably using your diffusers a lot more and we're using our hooded hair dryers over here on the tighter curl side. Um, there's really no difference in both. Both of these clients have to get their hair dried. The method in drying is just going to be different. I feel like the energy is just put in a different place. You're probably going to spend is. more time at the bowl with your tighter curls than you do with your looser curls because your looser curls will take more of your uh, drying time, which you actually having to hold a diffuser with us having my- to just slide them under the dryer. <laughs> And go on to the next client. 
Because dryer time, they're going to be under the dryer as long as they're going to be under the dryer. I don't have to sit there with a diffuser for the next 15, 20 minutes, fluffing and moving and fluffing and moving. So again, you're like I just said, you're just shifting where you're spending your time uh, within that service. Um, so yeah, service methods, understanding that the service method for a wavy or curly may be slightly different for a tight curly. But knowing that your service method shouldn't diverge in extremely in the amount of time that you do them. A new client is a new client. I don't care what your curl pattern is, your surface texture is, your whatever is. You are going to get this detox. You're going yeah. to get this clarifying. You're going to get this cleansing, conditioning. You're going to get this style. Um, and I'm booking out appropriately for all treatments that are necessary, um, no matter the hair sitting in front of me. And then that hair is going to be styled. And again, we're going back to how we're drying, how we're styling, what we're, what we're using um, on that client to make sure that they, that particular client in our chair, no matter their ethnicity, no matter their hair, has a positive outcome in the finished style. And then we go into product selection because this is one of those major, major things. It's, touchy. That it's a touchy topic. Touchy. It's, a, it's a touchy topic. It seems that, and I'm, again, I'm coming in from, I'm a newbie in the game. Um, I see a lot of people like, but all I use is this. And I'm like, I, I don't understand any of that because when I was going to, to the salon with a relaxer, my stylist used the products that didn't go together because they were all from different lines, <laughs> to make a finished product that she knew that I and the other clients at the salon were going to be happy with. Something she was happy to send out the door, down the street, and around the city. That is why I, I have a hard time with this loyalty to brands who essentially, they just are getting y'all's money. Like there's nothing loyal about that. They're getting your money. You are singing them praises by using the products. The client goes home, tries to use the products and that shit's not doing the same thing that it did in your salon. Something it's, you're but doing it's not even doing it in your salon either. <laughs> well, I, I, well, go ahead and say it there. <laughs> uh, because that finish, that finish that we think is, is appropriate then that actually let's let's put four and five product selection and aesthetic together because the aesthetic that you think may be like the bomb and and the black girls are like, ooh, that wasn't really what I had that, in mind. Um, lasted twenty four hours, and then I had to wash my hair all over again. Like these are things again. We are very connected to the consumer to the point that we know everything and i don't think anybody knows as much as we do everything about that's not a boast but they literally yeah. tell us everything everything if they don't tell it to us we're gonna pry it out of them because i'm like don't send me a dm that, and don't tell me everything that or if they're in our community they're going to come back to the community and share their experience with the community so if they have a super positive experience they definitely share like it's so opposite of what you see in the social space because they like Listen, I went to so-and-so. You are going to be very happy and satisfied if you book an appointment with this person. So they're literally singing the praises of the stylist when they go to the salon. So it's it's, it's a lot different. But it's not like Yelp. Then only the angry people show up. So the, the angry people, the good people, the everything that was great will all come out because, again, they're seeking. They're seeking. And so to go back to product selection, 
every single product line is not made to work on tight curls. Not, not every single product line does not have a linchpin ingredient or a linchpin product that is going to have create the best aesthetic for your tight curl clients. You might have to have five lines in your salon uh, to service everybody. And it's not even necessarily based on the fact that a client has tight curls or loose curls. It's going to be based on what are the essential elements of the hair in front of you? Do you have a coarse texture, silky surface texture client that has tight curls? Do you have a coarse, uh, uh, sorry, a fine um, texture client with coarse surface texture and loose waves? Sometimes that's those same products that cross over, um, can cross over from different hair curl patterns to different textures to different hydration levels. And that's why we don't consider hair necessarily to be a 3A, 4B, 2C. Those things mean nothing. What are the essential elements of the client in front of you? And how do you effectively use your product selection? Not just make it work. Yeah, we are we're out beyond of, that. Make we're it work beyond in 2015 that. when all we had was Diva Curl. <laughs> we have we, so much more than that now. And so there's no reason for us to have to make it work with the products we just have on our shelves versus understanding how to use products for every single set of essential elements that sits down in our chair. We are curating a selection that is going to give your clients a positive experience that of hair that lasts beyond four days. Um, if you if you're making it to seven to ten, you you are in the gate. With, Killing with the game the with, with, the the, with the aesthetic because the aesthetic for the tight curly is number one. She is not going to be in her hair every two three days no, unless they have, unless they live that type of lifestyle. But a majority do not live the type of 80, lifestyle where they can just keep restyling and keep restyling and keep restyling. Eighty percent, eighty percent. I would I would bank on eight a whole eighty percent of people are not doing it. Their lives are not set up for that. And the the people we're seeing in the salon, the people we're seeing in a digital salon, these people are busy women with families and or just a busy life. Um, even in, in the midst of the corona, like slowing down a little bit, they still don't want to spend that much time um, doing their hair because now they've shifted their energy into working out. Like that's just not a part of their life. So providing them with, with, uh, again, not just having a whole line because you stand behind a line. You need to stand behind products that stand behind your work. Yeah. And creating the aesthetic that the client expects, the longevity the client expects, the um, investment, the return on investment that the client expects to then be able to present the look that they're trying to look. Now, some clients are unrealistic. We get it. Their hair is not in the condition yet. We're putting them on a journey. But there is an expectation that they're going to leave the salon with improvement and leave the salon with some sort of change for their hair. And so it's your responsibility as a stylist, um, a stylist working in the curly space to or as a curl specialist, as we like to call ourselves, to get the the information, the insight and ed- education from somebody's us. <laughs> shameless plug, um, from somebody's who actually um, not only understand the hair, but also understand the lived experiences of the person who is wearing the hair. Because those lived experiences, we, we've always gotten told, and this is way back to like 2005 when I started in the beauty industry, is that hair is hair. And hair is hair. I, I, I fully believe hair is hair. But hair is attached to a person. 
Hair is attached to a story, it's attached to a culture, it's attached to so many different things that we actually have to take into account when we desire to work with that segment of the population. And we have to understand how um, the appearance, the maintenance, and, and just the overall experience of that hair impacts that particular person. If you, as a stylist, struggle with any of these things, it is accessing that advanced education. Again, shameless plug, we are actually going to be uh, debuting our new course, The Tight Curl Theory, on August 10th. So if you want to know more about it, it's digital only. Uh, it's guided. It has support. If you want to know more, go to cutitkinky.com, cutitkinky.com and sign up for our email newsletter. That is going to send out all of the information that you need to know about the tight curl theory, because we truly believe that if it is your goal to build an inclusive curl business that serves everybody that comes through your door, well, this is the information that you're going to need to work with that tight curl client. So we hope you join us. We hope you have gotten some great nuggets of thought during this podcast. If you're a little uncomfortable, let us know. Go to Cut It Kinky on Instagram. Let's have a chat. We'll we can explain more about it. We can't wait to see you. <laughs>